Please listen carefully. Hello, dear toppers, and welcome to episode 12 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I'm thankful you're here with me today. The topic of this episode is devil phrases, so first we're going to look into the idiom, speak of the devil. Then we'll look at better the devil you know before checking the details to see if the devil is really in them. After that, we'll talk about the devil beating his wife and wrap up with the metaphor snake oil. So without further ado, let's get down to the nitty gritty of these devilish phrases, origins, history, and more. Why do we speak of the devil, and what does it mean when we do? First, I should mention that this idiom is actually the shortened version of the phrase, speak of the devil and he doth appear. And in that original wording, the definition becomes clear. Speak of the devil basically just means that someone, or in some cases, something, appears as you're talking about it. In modern usage, the word devil in the phrase does not mean the actual devil, it's representative. But did it ever mean Satan was actually dropping by when people would talk about him? Not exactly, but it definitely stems from the superstitious people of old-timey times. Back in the days where the fear of witches and changelings and other magical things were running rampant, people tended to think that if you mentioned the devil by name, he might show up, or at the least, it was unlucky, perhaps even dangerous. This fear came from the fact that folks back then basically thought speaking of evil would make it happen. The idiom is believed to have originated in England, possibly in medieval times, and this is mainly because of the timing of it showing up in print shortly after that. It began showing up in print in 1666, which, with three sixes in that year, maybe that wasn't a coincidence. Anyway, Italian writer Giovanni Toriano's work, Piazza Universale, which, as a side note, sounds like a pizza university, and where do I sign up for that? <laughs> okay, anyway, that work has the following in it. Quote, The English say, talk of the devil, and he's presently at your elbow. End quote. A few years later, in 1672, a work called Cataplus, a mock poem, was published, and as far as I can tell, it was written by a man named Maurice Atkins. It was a bit hard to track this one down, so if that's wrong, I do apologize. Anyway, here's a line from that poem. Quote, Talk of the devil and see his horns. End quote. As time went on, the idiom also became a warning against eavesdropping. Evidence of this can be found in a February 1892 edition of the Stevens Point Journal from Wisconsin. Quote, No good of himself does a listener hear, speak of the devil, he's sure to appear. End quote. So, whether you're saying it to acknowledge the sudden appearance of someone you were just talking about, or to admonish someone for eavesdropping, you're using an idiom that has been around for a good long while. Now that we've spake of the devil, let's see why it's better to stick with the one you know. The meaning of better the devil you know is that it's better to stick with something or someone bad that you already know, than with something or someone new that you don't understand, because the new situation might be even worse. The full version of this idiom is better the devil you know than the one you don't, which, when you hear that, it's pretty straightforward why it means what it does. This idiom is potentially even older than the last, going back to at least the 14th century. 
In 1315, the English retook the Isle of Man from the Scots, which was super good for the English and super bad for the Scots. The reason this idiom is thought to come from this time period is because of the devastation of the Irish people by Edward the Bruce. The idiom doesn't start to appear in print for a while, though. Around 200 years later, in fact. In 1508, the Adages of Erasmus was published, but I'll be reading from the translated version by Richard Taverner, which was published in 1539, because even the translated version is going to be a bit tricky to read, and there was no way I was going to attempt the full original Latin. Anyway, here's the quote. Nota res mala optima, an ill thing known is best. It is good keeping of a shrew that a man knoweth. End quote. Okay, hopefully I didn't butcher that too much. In 1576, George Petty put out Petite Palace, and it had the following in it. Quote, You had rather keep those whom you know, though with some faults, than take those whom you know not, perchance with mo faults. End quote. In 1586, David Rowland, a Welsh author, translated an anonymously published Spanish novella called The Life of Lariso de Tormes and His Fortunes and Adversities. In it, there was the following quote. The old proverb, better is the evil known than the good which is yet to know. End quote. So, by this time, the late 1500s, the proverb was already seen as old. But all of these versions use the word evil, or shrew, instead of devil, so when did it switch? Well, no one knows for sure, but in 1857, an English novelist named Anthony Trollope wrote in his book The Barchester Towers, quote, Better the devil you know than the devil you don't know is an old saying, but the bishop has not yet realized the truth of it. End quote. That's all I have for this idiom, so now let's move on to the details. The devil is in the details means that the details of a plan, no matter how insignificant they may seem, may contain hidden problems that threaten it. What's a bit strange about this devilish idiom is that it didn't start out that way. It actually derived from the phrase, God is in the details, which was used to remind people to do things thoroughly because even the details are important. The original version of the idiom is often notably attributed to German architect Ludwig Mies van der Rohe. When he died in 1969, it was even mentioned in his obituary in the New York Times how much he liked to say it. But even though he's famous for saying it, he definitely didn't come up with it. It was also popular with a German art historian named Abby Warburg, who died in 1929. And if we go back a little more, French novelist Gustave Flaubert, who died in 1880, is known for the saying, quote, Le bon Dieu est dans la détail, end quote, which translates to, the good God is in the detail. So, we know the godly version of this idiom is at least as old as the 19th century, although there's no exact known origin date. But when did this phrase turn bad and start speaking of the devil instead of God? Well, Friedrich Nietzsche is quoted as having said, and I'm sorry, especially to any German toppers, for how bad this is going to be. It's going to be way worse than that pitiful excuse for French I just did. Shout out to my high school French teacher. I'm sorry, I don't remember it better. Anyway... Quote, der Teufel steckt im Detail, end quote, which is supposed to translate to the devil is in the details. Hopefully I said it close enough that it actually did. Now, Nietzsche died in 1900, so this shows that people were already using devil is in the details at the same time as God is in the details. 
So no one really knows when or why it changed over from God to the devil, but the meaning is the same either way. By the mid-20th century, people were pretty much only using the devilish version of the idiom, and there's many uses of it in print since then, but no one's really been able to narrow down to what the single first usage was. So, let your details be bad or good, it's up to you. Just remember that they're important. Now, let's look into why the devil beats his wife. As a southerner, I've heard this idiom for as long as I can remember, and I use it frequently. If you aren't from the blessed area that is the lower United States, this idiom is used to describe the phenomenon of the sun shining while it is raining. Some people call this a sun shower, I just call it a normal day in Alabama. Anyway, now we know what it means, but why does it mean that? Did someone actually marry the devil, and does he really beat her every time the sun doesn't completely disappear behind a cloud while it's raining? Well, unfortunately, I couldn't find anything out about who was actually married to the devil, but I can tell you the main theory about why people may have started saying this. Supposedly, the devil gets angry at God for creating sunny days, so he takes his anger out on his wife, and she cries so much that her tears create the rain. Not exactly uplifting, but that's what I found out in my research. I should also mention that some people think that the brightness of the sun are representative of the rays of hell that Satan sends out, and the rain is still meant to represent his wife's tears in this theory. And although this is a favorite saying amongst us Southerners, many folks think this folklore began in France. This is because of the first known print version, which again brings us back to the 1666 work of Giovanni Torriano's Piazza Universale. There is a translation of this in a 1703 book by someone with the last name Ward. I tried to confirm the exact author of this work, but there were several writers with the same last name around this time, and as far as I can tell, the work was called Writings. Anyway, the translation from 1703 reads, quote, As the French say, to go and thrash him round the churchyard as the devil does his wife in rainy weather when the sun shines. End quote. In 1738, in a book called A Complete Collection of Genteel and Ingenious Conversation According to the Most Polite Mode and Method Now Used at Court and in the Best Companies of England in Three Dialogues by Simon Wagstaff, we see this idiom appear again. Before I read it, though, can I just say, old-timey writers, seriously, what is up with these crazy long titles? You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, moving on. The following exchange is what we have in this book. Quote, it rained and the sun shone at the same time. Why, then the devil was beating his wife behind the door with a shoulder of mutton. End quote. The next reference I could find jumps ahead to 1922 and is from The Book of Woodcraft and Indian Lore by Ernest Seton. There is a chapter in the book called General Scouting Outdoors Old Weather Wisdom, and in that we find this quote. If it rains and the sun is shining at the same time, the devil is whipping his wife, and it will surely rain tomorrow. End quote. So whether he's whipping or beating his wife, the devil has been doing this one for a long time. Now let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. Just a metaphor. Since all of today's phrases have to do with the devil, I thought a snake metaphor would be fitting. So what is snake oil? And what is it a metaphor for? Well, its meaning is speech or writing used with the intent to deceive. And with regard to what it is, it actually started as a legitimate thing. 
Snake oil, the real kind, is a traditional Chinese medicine made from the oils and fats extracted from the Chinese water snake. It was used mainly to help with aches and pains and was supposedly quite effective. Thanks to a mix of ingenuity and greed in the late 19th century, this valid medicine turned into a metaphor for distrust. Americans started making their own versions of the elixir, using mainly rattlesnakes, since Chinese water snakes don't live in America. These knockoffs, commonly known as patent medicines, didn't work nearly as well, or at all, as the real deal, but that didn't stop Americans from buying them to try. As it became more and more obvious that the American snake oil wasn't all it was cracked up to be, people began to distrust the men selling these patent medicines. So snake oil salesmen started to become a derogatory name. This eventually led to snake oil becoming a general metaphor for anything not trustworthy. I don't have a first use in print reference here since the term snake oil itself is much older than the metaphor. So with that, let's do today's familiar quotation. Okay, I've got the book and I'm opening it up and I'm putting down my finger and it landed on a phrase from H. Phelps Putnam from his work Hymn to Chance. That's H-Y-M-N, like the song hymn, not him as in H-I-M, by the way. Anyway, the familiar quotation we've landed on today is, quote, We have insulted you as Lady Luck, end quote. I have no idea what that means. Apparently, it was bad form to call someone Lady Luck. I don't know. But that's today's familiar quotation. And with that, Toppers, episode 12 is coming to an end. Thank you for joining me again to Turn Some Phrases. I hope you enjoyed yourself and learned something along the way. Head on over to at Turn of Phrases on Twitter to connect to me and fellow language lovers. You can also send me topic suggestions through the website or via email, which is brisky at turnofphrases.com. My show notes has all my other social media, contact information, and sponsor information. I'll also list my sponsors here in a few moments, so please stay tuned for that brief announcement. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. A five-star rating and a quick review are really the best way you can help me in the podcast out, and it doesn't take long at all to do. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thank you again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, produced, and hosted by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, give the devil his due. Hey, Toppers, I just wanted to give you a quick breakdown of the fine folks helping me bring this show to you. First of all, there's Audible, who offers over 180,000 audiobook titles that you can download to any MP3-compatible phone or device. Using my code, Turn of Phrases, gets you a free book and a 30-day-long free trial. Amazon itself also sponsors me, and you can buy things through my link or get sweet offers for free stuff. Both options help me out. You can also buy my novel and children's book while you're over on Amazon. I'm just saying. Last but certainly not least is Boss Boxes. You can get awesome gaming stuff sent to you monthly, and my code, Turn of Phrases, saves you 10% at checkout. 
All of this, including more detailed information, can be found on my website, turnofphrases.com, on the Support the Podcast page. Please check it out to see what cool stuff you can get and help out the podcast at the same time. There's also a link to my swag and gear store on the site. Just click on the store tab and it'll take you right to it. Okay, that's enough of that for one day. Thanks again for listening, toppers.